Well, good morning. Good to be with you guys today. Before we go any further, let's dive into a time of prayer. Father God, we come to you in your mighty son's Jesus name. Praying that you would speak to us this morning, God. I pray that you would move me out of the way. I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase and be made much of today. God, speak to your people. You know what they need. You know what they're going through. And I pray that your word would hit their hearts right where it needs to go. Uh, whisper to them in ways that they know that that only came from you. It's in your mighty son's Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Hudson Taylor grew up in what many people would consider a God-fearing home. He was born to Jamie and Amelia Taylor. They were people of faith, and their hope was to pass along that faith to their children. Well, when Hudson was around the age of 15, he took a job at a bank, and he began to fall in love with money. Money isn't the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. And, and Hudson began to fall in love with money. He began to reject and outright mock this faith that his parents were trying to pass along to him. He outright rejected it. And he uh, wanted to live a life independent of them. His dream was to live a life of independence and wealth, and he would no longer have to live under the authority of his parents and suffer under this silly religion that they were trying to impose upon him. Well, at the age of 17, Hudson found himself anything but independent. He suffered from a severe eye, in, uh, eye infection that impaired his vision. He had to resign from his job due to this eye infection. He had to move back in with his parents. He really didn't want to do, do that. And he had to take a job working for his father. He was anything but independent. Well, he found himself in this place of depression, and his, his mother, though, stayed committed to him as he was staying at home. And so she committed to pray for Hudson. She was a lot more gentle than his father. His father was a lot more firm, but his mother took the approach to just pray. Her name was Amelia Taylor. And she says, I'm just going to pray for my son. And so one weekend in particular, she took a little prayer retreat where she went off by herself, and she just pleaded with God for her son. For her son, She begged and called on the resources of God and prayed that God would soften her heart's son. She, she prayed that God would have mercy on her son, and at the same exact time that she was away praying for her son, he was at home, of course, and as she's praying for him, he found himself bored that afternoon, true story, and he found himself reading some literature. And as he was reading that literature, he came across the words, the finished work of Christ. He said that changed everything. He got on his knees and prayed to receive Christ in his bedroom and came into contact with his mother some three days later. And she says uh, that they, they rejoiced together after he, he told his mom that I have, I've given my life to the Lord, mom. She said, I, I already knew. I was praying about it when I was away. This is a true story. Hudson goes on to be one of the most impactful missionaries in the history of the world, all because someone was standing in the gap for him, calling on the name of Jesus for him, calling on the resources of God to intervene on his 
behalf. Someone was standing in the gap for him. And many of us are here today because someone stood in the gap for us and prayed for us. Of course, God is the one orchestrating all of this behind the scenes, but we are quite often the product of someone else's prayers, a teacher's prayers, a parent's prayers, a coach's prayers, maybe even an ancestor's prayers who prayed for you hundreds of years ago, a stranger's prayers. We're, we're quite often the product of someone else's prayers. Maybe the, we, the reason you were able to get through that difficult season is because someone was praying for you. Maybe at that time when you really needed wisdom and you didn't know what to do, whether to move or to take the job or to date the person or to say yes, someone was praying for you. Maybe when you were, you're, you were ill and the doctors didn't have an idea of how to come alongside you and help you. Maybe, just maybe, you're here today because someone was praying for you. Maybe you were like Hudson. You wanted nothing to do with God. You, you wanted nothing to do with him. But someone was praying for you. And maybe you're here today or watching online and you today don't want anything to do with God. But whether you like it or not, maybe, just maybe, somebody is praying for you. As I was thinking about that this week, I couldn't help but ask the question, man, I wonder how many people don't have someone praying for them. Then I thought about just in the Detroit metro area where we live, how many people in our area don't have someone praying for them? My, my, my assumption would be a lot. There's a lot of people that don't have someone standing and the gap for them. And if you thought about that enough, it would, it would actually break your heart. And that's where we find ourselves in our passage today in Matthew chapter 9. We see a broken hearted Jesus because he is very much attuned with the state of humanity. And he, he's broken hearted at the brokenness at humanity that he's seeing. Jesus knows that eventually he's going to have to ascend and go back to heaven. So he's trying to prepare his disciples for such a time. So he's trying to help them see what he sees. He's, he's trying to help them see the brokenness that he sees. So in many ways, this is a discipleship text. This is a text of preparation. And as a matter of fact, this is a text that can apply to us today as Christ wants us to see people as he sees people. Matthew chapter 9. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God and healing every disease and sickness. He, he, he saw their true state. At this point in, in history, in the area of Galilee, where he was, the religious leaders were corrupt. So there was a spiritual famine, so he, so he taught them. Also, they were being oppressed by the Roman government. And so there was severe pain in various areas of life, of the, of the physical and of the spiritual, but he is moved towards them by compassion. And what we're going to see today is this. True compassion sees, feels, prays, and does. True compassion sees, it feels, it prays, 
and it does. It's, it's not just lip service. It's not just uh, saying that I, I have this feeling. It, it doesn't just say, oh my God, that's terrible that that person is hungry. No, I, I feel so bad because that person is hungry. No, a person cannot eat our feelings. They cannot eat them, right? We're called to some kind of action. And so true compassion doesn't just see and feel. True compassion sees, feels, prays, and does. Let's continue in, in the text as we go. These, these, there are a ton of action words as you look at this passage. It's a lot of action, a lot of verbs, a whole lot of action words. He's going, he's teaching, he's proclaiming, and he's healing. He, he's going. God is the God that moves towards He's the God that moves towards human suffering. He's the God that runs to the gunfire when he hears it. He's the God that goes to the inner city classroom. He is the God that sits bedside of the sick. He is a God that moves. His compassion moves him into action. So the text tells us that he went. He went from town to town, from village to village, and from synagogue to synagogue. It says, and he was teaching. He was teaching uh, God's word and God's truth in a time where there was a, a, corrupt, uh, a, a corrupt leadership at the time. He, he's teaching and he's proclaiming the kingdom of God. He's proclaiming of this new kingdom that's going to come and that's going to overturn all of the broken and all of the fallen kingdoms of this world. So he's proclaiming that, but there's also a physical element to the kingdom. It says that he's healing. There were sick among him. There were lepers. There were those who were blind. Uh, there were those who were uh, crippled. And he is tending to them, meeting them right where they are, and demonstrating his authority and his power, power not just over the spiritual world, but over the physical world as well. Over the last couple of years, I've, I've gained this appreciation for those who work in the medical field. I just can look back a year ago for myself when I had caught a pretty severe case of COVID and I wasn't at a hospital, I was at, my, I was at home and an EMT, a medic, would actually come to my house literally while I was sick in my bed, come to my house with an oxygen tank and put oxygen over my face, came into my gross room because it was absolutely gross up in there. Uh, but he, he, he stepped right into my world and met me where I was. That's, that's what uh, God looks like with skin on. That's incarnational ministry. That's God stepping into our mess. And that's the way he loved these people. And that's the way he calls us to love. True compassion sees, feels, prays, and does. Let's, let's continue in our text. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I can't emphasize the fact that he saw them. He saw them. He saw them. There's a big difference between just placing your eyes on something and placing your eyes on someone and being truly perceptive of that person's reality and having an idea of who they really are and what they're going through. Jesus was, was perceptive. He, he saw these people, and he saw what was really going on in their lives and in their hearts. He took the time to stop and truly see, not just, oh, I can see uh, that you have on a red or a blue shirt, but he was perceptive. When you go to the doctor and you go to be seen by a doctor, 
you pay that doctor to see you. You, you. you want to be seen. You want them to tell them things about you that you don't know. You want them to help, uh, you want them to help determine and define your reality. You want them to truly see you. And man, what a blessing it is to be truly seen. What a blessing it is to be truly seen. And man, isn't it painful to be unseen, to carry burdens that no one else sees, to carry a story that no one else knows but you, to be in a room full of people and to feel all alone. Oh, how painful it is to be unseen. But Jesus says, I see you. You're not just a number. You're not just a person in a pew this morning or a person in a chat room this morning. If you're online, Jesus says, I see you. And he saw these crowds then. He was perceptive. He knew what was going on in their lives, truly what was going on. And it says he has compassion on them. That word compassion it's compati in, in the original, in the Latin. It's compatis. Uh, pati means to suffer. Com means with. Compassion means to suffer with. It means I get in your shoes. I feel what you feel in my, in my inward being. It's to suffer with. I love the way one scholar put it. He says it like this. He says, compassion is sometimes the fatal capacity for feeling what it is like to live inside somebody else's skin. It is the knowledge that there can never really be any peace and joy for me, here the second part, until there is peace and joy finally for you too. True compassion sees, feels, prays, and does. It takes action. He says that he had, the, the scripture says that he had compassion on them, not just lip service or eye service, but he was gripped in his inward being for what these people were experiencing. Well, why was he? Why was he so gripped? Let's go to the next text. It, it explains. It says, they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The word harassed means to be weighed down. It means to be troubled and distressed and bothered and annoyed. He could see this on their faces, that they were harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. I don't know if you've ever seen a sheep without a shepherd, but it's pretty rough. It can even be a little disturbing. And I want to show you one, a little, little fella by the name of Barack the Sheep. Barack was found in an Australian forest in 2021. This is a true, true story. Uh, he was found with a tag on his ear, which lets the people who found him know that at one point he had an owner, but he was in rough condition when he was found. He had been out there for a while. One thing about domesticated sheep is this, is that they need to have their coats trimmed at least once per year, per year because they're not self-shedding animals. So he had been out there for quite a while. He had an excess of 70 pounds here on his coat that he was carrying around all of this weight that he was taking with him. As you can see, his vision was impaired, so, so he couldn't see. Poor fellow, I don't know how he was getting around out there in the forest. 
My guess is that he was hard to eat maybe because of that coat, but it was, it was tough. He couldn't see. He's way down. And when they finally sheared him of this coat, he was severely underweight. He was having a tough time eating. This is what a sheep without a shepherd looks like. He is, he, he is way down. But thanks be to God, someone had compassion on him. Someone found him. And they didn't just say, oh, poor guy, that sucks to be you. No, they, 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 they met his needs. They tended to him. They, they alleviated him of the weight that he was carrying, all of that excess. He can actually see now. I bet that's great. And he was fed. They met his needs. They had compassion on him. And that's what it looks like when we're moved with compassion on people. And we have to alleviate their needs and so on and so forth. And so Jesus invites his disciples into this story as he's, as he's looking at uh, the, this, this crowd just to take you back to their world at that time. My guess is that Jesus was with the people. He, he, he was uh, not standing. He wasn't even on a platform like this or on a screen. He was with them and among them, and he brings his disciples in, and, and he says uh, to them that these, these people are like a harvest and there's a lot of them. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He, he was with and among these people. He's rubbing shoulders with them. I bet he can, he can smell them. He can hear their cries, and he can hear their groans, and he can feel them, and he's very aware of what they're going through, and it can be overwhelming as a matter of fact. And he says to them, he says, the harvest is plentiful, disciples, but the workers are few. And in this, this, this group that was in front of him in Galilee was just a sample size of what humanity looks like. Many scholars believe that he's not just talking about the people that were in front of him when he talks about this harvest. He's talking about humanity. That it, as we look at humanity, the harvest is plentiful. There's so much need. And it can be overwhelming if you think about it enough. But God has left his church in this world to go after that harvest, to, to reach those who are lost, to lift the burden of those who are heavy. So what does he tell his disciples to do? With this overwhelming picture of need, he tells them to pray. He says, therefore, don't try to do it all in your own strength. Don't try to muster up the power. Don't work overtime and double time. He says, therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. See, God is the Lord of the harvest. The people are his people. And he tells his disciples to call upon, upon the resources of God in this desperate situation. And in this time, the, the resources that were, was needed was people. We need more people at this time to, to reach those who are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. A shepherd. I know some people might be saying, well, Terrence, is not, it's not my job to go and save the whole world. I can't, that's just too much. That's just, it's too much. It's a lot of need. It's a lot of problems. You're not called to save the whole world and, and, and put the world on your back, but God has put us all somewhere on purpose, and he has people that he wants us to see. So a question that maybe you could ask this week or today, God, who is it that you want me to see? And who is it that I'm not seeing? Am I truly seeing my spouse? 
Like, do I really know what they're going through? Am I aware of what my spouse is really carrying? Am I, am I seeing my, my friends that you've placed around me? Am, am I truly seeing them? Am I, am I seeing my, my neighbors? Do I, do I really see them? Or am I just darting past them to get to my next thing? Am I seeing people who think, look, and vote different from me? Or has my heart hardened towards them? Am I, am I seeing them? This is what we can know for sure. Everyone that you come in contact with is carrying something. That is a fact. They are carrying something. The, the guy that cuts you off in traffic, I know it's tough. I know you probably want to say a few things to him, but believe it or not, he is, he is carrying something. Your kids, your friends, they're, they're carrying something. You can assume that. This is what the average person's life looks like. They're carrying around something. Most people are carrying a little bit of their, their work with them. They're carrying deadlines. They're carrying pressure to keep up. They're carrying insecurities. They're carrying imposter syndrome, like, do I really belong here? They're carrying that to work and from work. But they, got, they need room in there for stuff at home too, right? So they're carrying home. Maybe them and their spouse had a fight. They're carrying that. Some mean things were said. They're carrying the chores. They're carrying the, the yard. They're carrying uh, the dishes. It, stuff begins to add up. They're carrying finances. In this day and age, most of us are carrying the cares of the world. Another shooting, I saw that carrying that. Oh man, the, the political tension carrying that. Another variant carrying that. And before you know it, this bag can get pretty full. And so everyone that you come in contact with has a bag just like this. And maybe it's a designer bag and you're like, man, what could they be going through? They have a Gucci or a Louis Vuitton bag. But there's, there's something in that bag as well. Everyone that you come in contact with is carrying something. It's easy to have compassion on the sheep because like, oh, poor sheep, he's carrying his weight, 75 pounds of excess. But there are people walking around just like that, but we just can't see it. So everybody that you come in contact with is carrying something. But guess what? You're also one of those people that are carrying something. So you, you, you likewise, you, you're carrying home and all of the responsibilities and duties of home. You, you're carrying work. You're also carrying the cares of this world. And your bag might be beginning to get a little full. And if we're not careful... If we're not careful, what can happen is we'll get something called compassion fatigue. Well, man, it's just hard to keep on caring. It's, it's, it's hard to care. You might get to a point where it's like, man, I don't care. I, I, I can't care. And that's when you go home and you've carried stuff from work to home. And your spouse is like, can you, uh, can you help me with or can you listen to? No, I don't. I don't. I, I am overwhelmed. I do not have time or your job gives you another assignment. It's like, I cannot, I cannot, I, I cannot take anything else. I'm overwhelmed. I am tired. Please know. 
or you hear about something else in the news, another variant, oh, well, COVID, smoke it, I am tired, I can't, I, I just can't. And you get desensitized to the, to the suffering around you and you get overwhelmed and it's, and it's hard to care. And if we're not careful, one of the most dangerous assumptions that we can make, and this is what can make us cold and calloused to our, our, our people around us and the needs that we come in contact with, if we're not careful, we can assume that we're the only one carrying something. And man, when you assume that, that can make you pretty bitter. And you feel like you're not seeing, nobody sees what I'm carrying. Oh, that can, make you, that can make you pretty bitter. It's hard to have compassion when you're like that. So in steps Jesus. And Jesus says, and this is so beautiful. He says this to all of us who are carrying this around because we're all carrying something. He says this, cast your cares upon me. He says, cast your cares upon me. I love how it says to cast. It means to throw. It means to throw your cares upon me. I, Mark, catch this. It's like, it's like that. It's like cast. Throw, throw it. Like get that thing. I'm going to throw you one more, Mark. Get that. Good catch. Get, get that stuff off of you. He says cast it on me. The, the worries, the cares of the world. Cast those cares upon me. And because everyone else that you come in contact with is carrying something, we are to cast sometimes other people's cares upon the Lord. That's how we get something called intercessory prayer. We have compassion on others because we, we know that, guess what? Just like I'm carrying this bag around, I know you're carrying something as well. So when I cast my cares, when I pray to the Lord, I'm going to take some of those prayers and some of those concerns of yours to him as well. This week, we're, we're, clo we're closing out the 21 days of prayer. And this is a good day to hop on if you haven't started with that yet. Uh, this is a week where we're going to be praying for others. This is intercessory prayer. We're going to be praying for needs in our community, needs in the Detroit metro area, needs within Ward Church in particular. Uh, we're going to be praying for people across the globe, some of our ministry partners in India. And we're going to come before the Lord and we're going to say, God, we, we cast this. We, it didn't get in there, but you get the point. <laughs> we cast this. We cast this upon you. And someone did this for us recently. Uh, a friend of mine here, one of the members of Ward, uh, Miss Scooter, she told me this story uh, about a month ago. She said that she ran into a couple of gentlemen here at Ward and they were, they were in the building, and she asked where they visiting and coming to Ward because they look new. And they said, no, we're not visiting and coming in this morning. We're actually just walking the halls praying for Ward Church. Uh, this gentleman was actually a pastor of another church nearby, but he has a practice of every Sunday before he goes to his own church and preach, he picks a different church in the community and walks the halls and prays for that church before he goes to his own. My guess is this. He's a, a pastor of a church in the middle of a pandemic. I imagine he's carrying a lot of his own. I imagine his bag might be very full, but that doesn't stop him from being compassionate and acknowledging that there are other people who are carrying something. And so this week, as you go, I just want to encourage you, cast your cares upon the Lord, because I know in this season, a lot of us are carrying some heavy bags, but also consider others and cast 
their cares and what they're going through uh, before the Lord as well. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you in your mighty and matchless sons, Jesus' name. God, I know that some people are heavy this morning, that their bag is full. And I pray that you would just encourage them and let them know, whisper to them and let them know that they can cast all of that on you, that you are compassionate, that you are soft-hearted towards them. And I just pray for us as well. Put on our hearts people that we're not seeing. God, help us to see those around us, not just to put our eyes on them, but to see them as you see them. Give us compassionate, soft hearts and show us how to take their cares to you as well and to pray for them. It's in mighty and masterly sons, Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand to receive the benediction this morning. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace both now and forevermore. Go in peace. Be blessed. Cast your cares upon him. Have a good week.